first relic of the Inquisition, a mechanical thumbscrew, or some other infinitely refined instrument of medieval torture. Once, at an exhibition of such artifacts, Graves had seen a dagger made in the form of a crucifix, its handle cut in the shape of Christ's body to provide a better grip. Years later he'd written a scene in which Kessler had pressed an identical weapon into Sykes' trembling hand, forced him to draw it slowly across the sagging folds of an old woman's throat. Sykes, Kessler's cowering sidekick, the shivering, panicked instrument of Kessler's will. Graves took a sip of coffee and let his eyes drift out over the East River the bridges that spanned its grey waters, cars moving back and forth on them like ants along a narrow twig. Within an hour, traffic would become an unbroken stream, the noise of the city steadily increasing down below so that even from his high airy, perched like an eagle's nest on the fortieth floor, he'd have to close the windows to keep it out. It was nearly five hours before he had to catch a bus upstate, to the Riverwood Colony, where he'd been invited to spend the weekend. He'd need to get a little rest before then, since his mind was too easily alarmed by changing scenes, distant voices, unfamiliar smells, for him ever to sleep in transit. Instead, he'd stare out the bus window, alert and edgy as towns and villages flashed by, inventing tales as he went along. Passing an empty field, he might suddenly envision the moldering bones of some once-desperate girl, a runaway who'd knocked at the wrong door a hundred years before, young and vulnerable, pale and hungry, wrapped in a threadbare woolen shawl, snowflakes clinging to her lustrous hair, her small, childlike voice barely audible above the howl of the wind. I'm so sorry to disturb you, sir, but might I warm myself beside your fire? He could see the man beyond the door. Imagine what he imagined, her quivering white breasts, the cold stiffened nipples, feel his fingers probing the latch as he drew back to let her in, his voice sweet, unthreatening, of course, my dear, come in. It was always the isolated farmhouses that called up the most dreadful scenes. Graves knew firsthand the horror that could befall them, how vulnerable they were to sudden violence and death. Once, edging close to the forbidden, he'd actually described a young woman's murder in such a place. Kessler, the arch-villain in all of Graves' books, directing Sykes through the brutal ritual while Slovak, Graves' tireless hero, knowing where Kessler was, what he was doing, and desperate to stop him, had pounded up the flickering, smoke-filled aisles of a stranded, snow-bound train, panting heavily by the time he'd finally reached the engine. But once there... He'd found the engineer too terrified by the storm to press onward, so that once again Kessler had escaped due to some unexpected cowardice. Fear, the servant upon which evil could most confidently rely. It was a circumstance often repeated in Graves' books, one of his abiding themes. Graves drew in a breath and felt a wave of exhaustion settle over him. He knew where the weariness had come from, and why it was so heavy. He and Slovak had just trudged up five flights of stairs, slammed through a thick wooden door, and raced across a wide black roof, arriving breathless and exhausted at its edge. Now, looking out over the city, 
It seemed strange to Graves that within an instant he had transported himself to this quiet terrace, where he stood calmly sipping tepid coffee in the early morning light. While in the world of his creation, Slovak remained on the other side of town, thirty blocks away in space and more than a century distant in time, staring out over the same enigmatic web of streets and rooftops as Kessler crept up from the rear, grinning as he drew the little silver derringer from beneath his coat, good and evil, about to face each other squarely in the dawning light. Graves left his apartment for the Port Authority bus terminal a full thirty-two minutes before he needed to. His early departure sprang from his sense that being on the move was safer than remaining in place. A bird in its nest, warming its eggs with something to protect, that was the predator's best mark. To Graves, this truth amounted to...